This is Again for the First Time with your host, Darren Redmond. I'm so excited to have my friend with me, uh, the co-founder of Fresno Sports Talk. I think the best color commentator in all of minor league hockey, junior hockey, um, and just an all-around good guy. Brian Rivera, again for the first time. How are you, my friend? Good, Darren. Nice to finally see you after uh, you've been away for a couple months. Yes, here I am, and with a blurry background. Right? You know, um, <laughs> and I see you at the ice rink, man. It looks good. So tell me yeah, about what's going on. My, it's pretty soon here to be my second home. I'm here in the play-by-play uh, -play booth at Gateway Ice Center for the Crystal Monsters. I love it. I love it. So let's stop there. Uh, all these rumors of, of gateways going away and this and, and every year, it's like, you know, I sort of have fun with it going. It's like Groundhog Day. Every year there's a report that comes out. People panic and we're like, don't worry, it's all fine. So where do we stand with that as far as you know? As far as I know, everything is the status quo it's been for the last, what, 25 years here at the rink. Um, exactly. You know, we're, we're going to be here. There, there's Yes, there's some political stuff going on, but there's also some behind-the-scenes political stuff that no one's involved with besides the owners of the rink that uh, are making sure we're, we're safe to go. Remember, people, if it bleeds, it leads, and if it is uh, clickbait, they'll do it. Anything to try to draw eyeballs. The rink is still here better than ever. Um, talk a little bit about some of, um, you know, the monsters. It was disappointing. Let's get right into it right now. It was a disappointing in the playoffs. Um, and it happens. This is why we play the games. Stats are just stats. People have to play the games. But um, without giving anything away, this team is reloading big. This is why we love the Fresno Monsters. Talk a little bit about the offseason so far. Yeah, yeah, last year was a uh, little bit of a disappointing end to the season. I think uh, the proverbial, we kind of got ahead of ourselves in the players' perspective. We're kind of looking past basically our stiffest competition. Right. And, you know, thinking that, oh, okay, we, we score a lot of goals. We're going to score at will. It's gonna be, not going to be a problem. And we all know through experience that uh, playoff hockey is very different. You know, oh, you don't, you, you rush in through this, you know, when you play someone during the season, you, you may play all four lines, not give the care too much to the standings as long as you kind of end up at the end, at the end point, kind of where mm -hmm. you want to be in that same area, then everything's good. And then, you know, when the playoffs come, you may not play your fourth line. You may not right. play your third line. You may just go one, two, one, two, you know, and, some teams can make an adjustment. We struggled to make the adjustment last year and, uh, through the offseason. The coaches, staff, and the ownership group here has made some uh, significant changes in the style of hockey they want to play. So um, the, the rumor around here is um, we've reloaded and they're ready to go. I'm so excited about it. And um, guilty as charged when it comes to just being a unabashed, supporter of the Fresno Monsters. People know I've worked with them for years, still love them, incredibly so. And um, 
it's reloaded. I mean, that ownership group that we have, I'm going to say we, because once a monster, always a monster, you know, second place is, is, is not okay. You know, it's about defending titles. It's about getting better and better. We finished first in conference, but we all know we wanted to go to nationals and move on. And there's some exciting things happening, isn't there? I mean, with the cosmetics of the building, maybe some more stuff at uh, Selen Arena. I know there's a lot of stuff you can't talk about because nothing's signed officially, but can you tease us a little bit? You know me, I love a big tease. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, from, from day one, 2009, when the Monsters were started and they got their group going, they set very high expectations. And their first season was in two seasons, three seasons, was an incredible success with very high standards that they have to follow. And like you said, winning divisions, you know, that's kind of what we call standard around here. That's kind of arrogant to say, but that's kind of the, for, for us, that's really kind of the only thing we know. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we've been in existence here, let's see, this is 2003 or 23, it's nine, 14 years, 15 years. Mm -hmm. And I really think only maybe three or four of those years, we didn't have a, a division title in our hands. Yep. So we've had a strong program from the beginning. And with the way the season ended last year and such a dud in the second round of playoffs, like I said before, the ownership group here and the coaching staff has um, really re retooled the team to to be to, to, to try to get a different outcome from last year and get that trip back to the national tournament and make some noise there at the national tournament as well. You know, I started this conversation with you talking about how you know, we, we formulated Fresno Sports, uh, Fresno Sports Talk, and we, we still do that, and uh, it's grown uh, bigger than ever. And we talk about working together with the Fresno Monsters and being friends. And, you know, so this isn't my friendship talking. This is just my reputation for whatever that means. Um, nobody knows more about local hockey than you do. You were part of the program literally before the Fresno Monsters even existed. You would your legacy from working with the, Fres with the Fresno Falcons. You have now for years worked with the Fresno Grizzlies as we cover them with, with, with Fresno Sports Talk. You and I have covered uh, Fresno State football together. And I bring all that up, my long-winded way of saying, a year like last year where there's a disappointing uh, finish, in a lot of ways is wonderful for the kids overall that you learn that you just can't mail anything in and not saying anybody just mailed it in, but you know what I mean? That that you're like, wait a minute, I'm not gonna let this happen again. I'm gonna finish my check. I'm gonna make sure that I'm gonna respect the opponent I have in front of me. Talk a little bit about that because you better than anybody know that from all the years of covering sports as you have. Yeah, you know, that's that's one of the, the developmental things that you have to learn as you're playing hockey, as you go through the age groups from 14U to 16U to the junior ranks where the Fresno Monsters are at, you know, it's something you have to develop that you have to, you know, the, the proverbial, you're only good as your last shift, mm -hmm. right? Um, you have to be developing every single day. You have to put that mindset is that you're not going to be defeated, that you're going to do everything that it takes to 
come out on top at the end of the day, you know, whether it's training every day, you know, um, th things of, of that nature. And I know the coaching staff here is, has talked about, you know, making, like I said, some changes, having some different people come in, some people returning that have been away for a few years that had that success early on in our program or in the last few years of our program. They're bringing them back in, maybe change the culture a little bit and, and show, you know, they've been to some other places, had some success there, bringing in some, some different, I won't say philosophies, but some different dynamics around the locker room to see if that can help uh, facilitate that end goal of going to the national championship. Yeah, one thing that I wanted to bring up with you, and if you can, maybe it's putting a square peg in the round hole. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't think it is. But you know, you talk and communicate and follow and bring forth to the public relationships with 16, 17-year-olds to young men who are 22, 21, when you cover the Grizzlies, when you cover the Monsters. You... Brian, have spoken to and interviewed World Series champions as, as coaches. You've talked to 22-year-old bonus babies with the Fresno Grizzlies. And you have talked to people who just made the team who maybe don't start every game with the Fresno Monsters. Talk to me a little bit and talk to our viewers and our audience about the lineage between all of that, the desire to be better, the desire to love the game because you must see that really run through those different types of people that you talk to. Yeah, you know, it, it's really something that um, I learned growing up that I, you know, kind of took to heart was, is you want to play as long as you can. You want to be, you know, one of those guys that, you know, like the, the proverbial, again, um, you're going to have to take the jersey off of my back before I stop playing. Because you know, at, at this you know, at the 17 to 20 year old age, you're still developing. You're just turning into adult. You're learning about yourself. You're you're developing into the man you're gonna be or you're trying to become. Um, and sports plays a lot of gives you a lot of life lessons. Mm -hmm. You know, um, talking with some of the Grizzly guys. You know, they um, some come from junior colleges, some come from major national programs, some were very good stars in high school, some got overlooked because there were better players on their team and they just happened to get a shot because they had a uh, coach that knew somebody. Right. You know, all those, all those factors and you just want to be one of those one of those players that wants to seize the opportunity. You know, I my huge Kobe Bryant fan. And, yes. and you and you turn and you turn me on to Kobe. I mean, because you would tell me how just his his brain was amazing. And yeah, you know, you, you if you want to be better, you have to do more than everybody else. And you know, like the guys at the Grizzlies, um, their games don't start until seven o'clock at night, most nights during the week. And they're at the stadium by one o'clock, refining their craft, batting practice, out in the field honing their, their infield techniques, their fielding techniques, their running techniques, their basically techniques. You know, the monsters are here. They practice, you know, mid-morning. Some of them come out early 
work on their shot, work on their skating, work on their stick handling. All those things add up. You know, you do 10, 15 minutes a day extra over the whole season, you're going to progress more than just doing it when you need to do it. Mm -hmm. So, and I, and I just really think that that's a, that's a huge deal in, in sports in general from when you're starting. You can't just be good from just going to practice. You have to do other outside stuff, whether it's a different sport or more of your same sport at home. You know, for me, um, I played street hockey 360 days a year, mm -hmm. you know, out here. We just, summer, I come home from whatever, baseball. I played baseball during the summer. I came home from baseball practice, you know, straight to street hockey, you know. Right, um, right. And that, that served me very well as I was able to do quite a bit for my hockey career. And it's led me to be have really a life in the, in the game that I love. You know, in, in podcasting, in, in singing, in some of the other things, people talk about finding your voice. How does a 16, 17-year-old athlete find their voice of who they are when they have maybe well-meaning, sometimes not so well-meaning, coaches telling them to do it their way, they know better, don't do it this way, try this, with the understanding that a lot of that time that's needed, how do you juggle that? I mean, to me, that's very hard for, for an athlete because they're hearing all these, they're taught to respect their elders, respect the people that have been there. But the game is changing, you know, but at the same time, they have the younger person who's saying, oh, don't listen to that person. It's not easy. And again, you interview and talk to these people all the time. Talk about that internal struggle they must go through. Well, you know, there, there's, you, as, a, as a young adult, you really have to separate what's right from wrong, whether you're being told to do it or not to do it. Um, but at the same time, you have, like you said, have to have respect for your elders, and that's that's your your coach for that season or for that part of your whatever. And if you want to play the game that you love, you got to learn to walk that fine line of of doing what's correct or what the coach wants to play the game, but without sacrificing your own integrity. Mm -hmm. That's 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 a. Uh, That's that's a tough line to walk and to follow. If you know, if you're like some of these boys from the monsters that are a thousand, fifteen hundred, three thousand, four thousand miles away from home, seeing their other friends have, have success doing the same thing. Yeah, because it's all different, right? I mean, you could be three thousand miles away from your friend who you were you were first line, they were third line, but they're pumping in some goals for a team that they're playing for. And you're maybe not getting a lot of light because not because you are not very good, but the person in front of you on your team might be much better than the competition that your friend is in. It's not apples and oranges, is it? Yeah, no, it's not always apples for apples. You know, yeah. um, I, I a good friend of mine, he played hockey in Canada and he played with some really good hockey players that were on the fast track and they, um, joined, you know, they had the fast track here, NHL draft picks, they went to college, they did this, 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 you know, they were the so-called camp miss prospect. And my friend had the, what I like to call the Charlie Brown route, 
is this team, that team, that league, this team, that league, whatever. Division three school instead of Division one, and they come to find out by the time their college careers are ending, they both end up in the same league playing against each other, and they remember each other from eight, ten years ago that they were in the same league playing against each other. But one was a prospect, and one had the the roundabout route, and it's always hard to for for kids because they want to compare with their friends, they want to be with their friends, they want to be what their friends are doing. So if their friends are having success and they're struggling here. It's it's a uh, it's just a constant talk with them to say, hey, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna be just fine, you know, mm-hmm. you just you you got a different battle than somebody else, but it's gonna make you a better person. You know, the term discernment keeps popping into my mind, and because we're asking these kids and young men, and they have to because they've committed to doing it, to getting better, to learn the system, to eat right, to make the right decisions to not go out as much as maybe their friends are because bad things can happen after 11 o'clock at night. That's, I'll just put it that way. Sure. Um, and to be a team player. But at the same time, they have to be a little selfish. I've heard Mike Golden talk about this all the time. Every year, when you're this age in junior hockey, you're a free agent. You know, you have to say, does this make sense for me or for work for my joy? You, If you're a quote-unquote a backbencher, um, am I having fun here? Am I learning something? Am I having life, life, am I learning life skills? Do I like the people that I'm around? If not, go somewhere else. Even if you're a first line, you know, center and um, you're not happy with things, doesn't mean that you're selfish. You try real hard and you go. I remember um, a young lady, who won't say on what team she was on, people just, I'm sure they might've been well-meaning, soccer moms and soccer dads, saying, oh, that's kid, she just goes from this team to this team. Well, you know what, she went to USC and played there and now has a degree. And you know what, the plan was was pretty, what was, was, was a great plan. Not just because you wanted to win. We know a kid, we talked about it um, before we went on air, who maybe is gonna move from one team to another team because they liked him, a coach very much, got a new coach, didn't like the way that the coach was using them. Doesn't mean that the coach is a bad person, but that kid has every right to want to go someplace else. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, you may not always. I had it growing up, you know, in mine. You happened happened to me when I was young. It happened to me when I was 12, 13 years old. I had a coach that didn't care for me, but I loved the game and I knew what I was doing was right. And I just put, you know, the proverbial put my put, put my nose to the grindstone and just went to work. Mm-hmm. And it started even my last year in junior hockey. I moved all the way across the country. And for the first half of the season, I didn't play. And I was frustrated. But the only one that was going to dig me out of the hole was myself. So sometimes, yes, you do have to pull up your bootstraps and, and figure it out for yourself and and get what you want out of it. And if that, if that like you said, it means not going to hang out with your teammates or going to not going to a party or the movies or you know something and that's to get extra sleep so you can get up early so you can get an extra workout in it's it's all a sacrifice you have to make if if, if you want to make that next step or be that proverbial next athlete that, that wants that next step i want to talk a little bit about you in the booth i've seen you grow and you were good from the jump but you went from good to great 
in, in, in the last couple of years. And, and you and Kala and John, I mean, we were really blessed with a great team in that booth. Talk a little bit about your preparation. And I want to add Fresno Sports Talk to it, not just because it's something that you and I developed, but you bring the same passion for what you do to million dollar bill or $500,000 signing $300,000 signing bonus people with the Grizzlies as you do that 16 year old kid from Czechoslovakia who might be coming and be a backbencher with the monsters for the first year. Talk a little bit about the way you prepare your respect for the game and the players. Well, that's, that's exactly it is what I say is going to be put out in front of hundreds of people in front of parents that are watching parents that are listening. You know, so I want to do my research. I want to have my stuff correctly. So I will spend the better part of a week coming up to a series, a couple hours a day, looking at stats, um, trying to find out where he plays, to add something of value besides my experience as a player, as a coach, um, to whatever I'm doing. You know, I want to make sure that I sound like I enjoy what I'm doing, which I really do. And I, I want to make sure it, it sounds good because I don't want it to be just a run-of-the-mill, well, well, these guys really don't know what they're doing. They're just, you know, they're, they're, it's just the dynamic thing. Carl and I, when we do our thing, we, we're a little more loose and we have a little more fun. Do You know, not so much talking about the game as we crack a few jokes here and there. But then again, when I get out with John, John's very – um, game-oriented, so I want to make sure that when I'm with John, I can have some some side notes about maybe a 15-point game streak that the guy's on or, how you know, what he's really been working on in practice to show in his game or, or talking to a coach what they how they feel about their team. So it just, it just happens to be um, who I'm with and what I'm doing is to, to where the passion goes in the and the preparation goes as well. Talk to me a little bit about um, this past season when John unfortunately got injured. You had to uh, move over. You had to do play-by-play. -play. Talk about that process. And then you brought in Claw, who we know has been great on the mic for years. But there was a, a – a, a, the, the chemistry in the booth didn't miss a beat, whether it's you, John – and Kalau or, or, or John and just Kalau or you and, and Kalau, it didn't miss a beat. But now there was more pressure on you because you're in the control. What was that like for you? And talk a little bit about um, doing um, the uh, showcase because you had to do games that you didn't know these players. That's a lot of work. Yeah, you know, uh, when I did go to the, the league showcase in Las Vegas uh, right before the Christmas break, I spent the better part of two weeks downloading rosters, trying to get pronunciations, um, statistics, and then going there with warm-ups, trying to watch the dynamic between the players and the coaches and trying to talk to a few coaches about their team. And um, it's just something that's it's, it's a pride thing for me. You know, I want to sound professional. I want to sound like I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, this year John is hopefully going to come back to us because, you know, <laughs> as much as I had fun doing it, it's hard to talk for 
three, four <laughs> minute stream when there's no whistles and, and trying to find descriptions and, and keep the play going without falling too far behind because I'm getting too descriptive and, you know, trying to catch my breath. <laughs> there are a lot of times when their play was going on for four or five minutes and I'd have to just stop and apologize because I couldn't talk anymore because I didn't have any wind left in me. Um, but yeah, like I said, with, with John, it's it's um, it's a little more straightforward, which is fine, and I enjoy that too because John John knows hockey very well, and he knows his sports oh, very yes. well, so he knows what a play by guy, play by play guy is supposed to be, what he's supposed to sound like, what he's supposed to ask, what he's supposed to influence, you know. So it's really easy to follow John's footsteps as the color guy for me um, through. Again, playing experience, coaching experience, uh, being around the locker room for, you know, the better part of 20 years after my career, um, and to add value to the broadcast. And then again, like with Kala, it's a little more loosey-goosey. It's a lot more Harry Carey-esque. Oh, you know, as far as the looseness, not so much what he was actually – Slurp it down during the broadcast is right. as it is is more just have a little bit more fun with it. Just some fun. Go. But you know what? Neither one of you, when you guys are really involved in doing that, it's not shtick, and you're still very true to the game, and you're still analyzing but having fun doing it. Um, I want to kind of talk a little bit about about the respect piece. Uh, a couple of things. One first, and this is something that that I love. Um, and that's you guys let the game or the results or the fan interaction. Sometimes, sometimes you won't talk for 30 seconds a minute. And it's not just because you want to get your breath. You let the game and the visual aspects of the game take control. And because the picture's worth a thousand words, right? But also, and I heard Kala, I'm going to give him all the credit for this, because I was in the booth one day. Uh, I was bringing up a guest for you guys, and um, a play got injured. And you immediately wrote a note to whoever was producing that day, get the camera off the person who's injured. You know, I mean, just the respect of the game that you guys have in that booth, you're all, the three of you are just so fully aware. Talk about that. Well, well again, you know, there's there's parents listening, there's grandparents listening, there's aunts, there's uncles, there's nieces, there's cousins, there's nephews, there's friends of family. Everybody's Everybody's listening. So you can't uh, just be, you know, so ridiculous and so what I call homerish, as to say that there's only one team on the ice. You want to spout and you want to speak about what's actually happening and and knowing that you know, yeah, the monsters may be getting killed, they may be blowing out a team, but you want to respect the opponent, knowing that. There's family members listening, and they don't want to hear someone talk bad about that person that's given 100% effort and that's just not having success that night. You know, it's hockey's a tough sport. It's, you know, you can, it's a very momentum sport too. If you get out by a lot, the other team, you know, it just things go your way, other things don't go your way, you know, on both ends of the stick. So you want to be true to, say, for a goaltender or a defenseman, or if there's an injury that 
you just don't want to make assumptions and right. and sound sound ridiculous doing it. Before we wrap up, I want to just talk a, a little bit about a philosophy that you have that I have um, really embraced, and um, and that's no chirping the refs. And I mean, there's people, and this is the hockey lore, but you know, you can say some snide chirping here and there, but players leave the ref alone. You're not changing the result. Parents, I mean, people in the audience, you're not. If the only thing you're going to do is piss them off, you know, talk a little bit about that because I've seen you so eloquently as a coach for younger kids, teach them stop because you're not going to change the result and all you're going to do is make it worse for yourself going forward. Well, you know, here's the thing. What we all know, no matter what anybody says, nobody's perfect. Correct. Right? So, and you know that if anybody that's anybody has any pride, they're going to want to do their best no matter the circumstances. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, they may get caught out of position. position. Yes, they may miss a call, but it's it's never intentional. It's never in spite of somebody. It's, it's, it's within the flow of the game, to, you know, because no one wants to, people want to see action. They don't want to see you know, whistle after whistle with this and that, and penalty after penalty and penalty after penalty. You know, there are some referees that that call it tight game, and then there's other referees that like to let them play. I'm on the more side of letting them play. Me too. If you want the skill to you want the skill to come through for each player and each team to decide the game. And I'm not saying referees decide games because we all know that nobody's like I said before, nobody's perfect. Each play's not perfect. Each pass isn't perfect. Each shot isn't perfect. So, you know, the referees are doing the any referee as a youth for, for refereeing the youth. You know, I'm looking to get back into refereeing youth hockey this year. Mm -hmm. um, everybody tries to do their best, and, and there's times when, when you just miss. Yeah, and, and listen, yep. I, 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 unfortunately, I, it happens, and there's nothing you can do about it. I can tell everybody who's watching and listening to us right now, as somebody for the last four or five years who has been center ice before a game, in between periods, I can tell you that Brian's 100% correct. Because when a referee or a lines person misses a, a call, nine times out of ten, they'll say, this is what I saw. If I miss it, that's all I, I, I did the best I could. Or they'll try to explain themselves. Um, and that's it. You know, I mean, it's that simple. It's and the yelling and the chirping, foul language, salty language at a referee gets you nowhere, but on the but thrown out in the game. It's just and for, as a player, inexcusable. Should not do it. Should not do it. As a coach, coach can speak to the ref, but not like I said, nine times out of ten, they'll explain themselves to the ref. And most most coaches, you know, understand that and they accept that. Hey, I missed the call. Yeah, you know, um, hockey's a a fast sport. There's, if you include the goalies, there's 12 players on the ice. There's three other officials. There's, you know, it's a four-man system. There's 16 bodies on the ice in a small 60 by 60 area, 60 by 85 area most of the time. And to be in the right spot to see the whole ice and not have your view blocked by somebody, 
Mm-hmm. It's not an easy thing to do, especially at the higher levels as the game gets faster. You know, so, and, and the referees, they're honest with you. You know, they're not, they're not making score. You know, they're not, hey, I, you know, I, this went along. I'm, hey, I missed it. I'm sorry. Right. You know, or this is, like you said, this is what I saw. This is what I'm going to call. Mm-hmm. Um, deal with it. And yep. Yep. The, the, the best thing you can do as a coach, as a player, is just accept it for what it is. Because, like, we all know nine times out of 10, nine, 99 times out of 100, whatever you want to say, the referee's not changing this call. Nope. You know, they don't have the benefit, especially in our junior hockey league, they don't have the benefit of replay like they do for Major League Baseball or the NFL or the NBA. Or women's World Cup soccer with that ball just going all over the line by an inch. Yeah, you know, we don't have that those benefits here. So you just, you know, have to learn to play through it. So let's talk a little bit before I let you go about why Fresno Monster fans should be extremely excited about this upcoming season. Well, there's 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 numerous things we're getting again uh, they're they're going to be put in front of a uh, a very good hockey team's going to be put in front of them. That's a good with way to the, put it. With, with with a huge huge desire to prove that last year was just a fluke. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. a a misstep in, yep. in, in our in our program and. They're really looking forward. There's going to be some, some like I said, some players returning that we'll know from last year. Uh, some players returning from a few years ago. Uh, just some new players that are very dynamic that are going to yep. add so much to our program that uh, come, you know, we have preseason games September 16th. And people uh, pack, and pack that house. Before. That's just around the corner. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's just a little over a month away. The players are starting to come in now. They're they're gearing up. Uh, they they're going to be ready to go. They 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 want like I said, want to prove that um, last year was just a, a very bad misstep, and we're going to be back to playing and being the Fresno Monsters that people know and love to come cheer here at Gateway Ice Center. Well, you know, now I'm three thousand miles away, but every time I'll be watching those games, it's not my hockey TV now; it's something else. But I'll be watching you and I'll be watching John and I'll be watching Kala and watching the, you know, the team and, and everybody that uh, is involved with it. Uh, some exciting stuff going on, going on and boy, I miss it already. I, I, you wish it was mid season already. I'm sure you do as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm waiting for the season to get started. You know, I, I saw some of the roster projections here mm-hmm. recently and, Kind of got some background on some woman. Like I said, Fresno Monster fans, be ready. Be ready, and it's, it's going to be exciting. I'm going to end with a question about, about the about the Grizzlies. Um, what has um, been the trademark of the Grizzlies this year that you've watched? I'm going to give you mine first, and I mean you watch a lot a lot closer than I do. You're at the games, and that is. Um, Boy, what a difference between the first half and the second half, huh? I mean, something clicked. Yeah, you know, I think it was, uh, well, just about everybody moved up a league. Mm-hmm. 
you know, a division, whatever you want, however you want to discuss it. I'm not 100% mm -hmm. sure with baseball or what you want to call it, league, division, level, whatever. But it took, you know, just like every season, I'm sure the Monsters may struggle here a little bit at the beginning, but they got some unity together. They found some guys that found their roles, right? Every team's got to have roles, right? Mm -hmm. Every team's got to have role players. They got, you know, right now the Grizzlies, they got guys that can, that, that can uh, to fill the bases, to, to drive them in, to, to, to uh, run that offense, right? Mm -hmm. You know, to produce that offense. They got guys that they can run. They're fast. They're aggressive. They're, you know, they take that extra base on out. They you know, they go first to third on a single to right field or right center or even left center if the, the fielder's jogging over. You know, they're um, they're very aggressive. And, you know, and it's starting to show the pitching has found their rhythm. They got some guys that um, I don't see them. There's yeah, the season's not there's not much left of the season. There's like a month left. But don't be surprised if we if there's uh, two or three new players, four players come at the end of the season from uh the leagues below as, as players get promoted up because there are some some players here for the, the Grizzlies and in the Rockies developmental system. They're gonna make the Colorado Rockies a very good team here probably in the next three to four years. I'll tell you that um, before I moved, um, you know, I took a deep dive with the Rockies and with the Grizzlies, and um, that is a strong organization that, that we cover and uh, through the, your work. Uh, and um, they really are about to you know, cash in some of those chips. I mean, it, it is dynamic, much like, you know, the Fresno Monsters. So, um, you know, um, one last thing I have for you, and that is today, it's, what is today? The 12th of August, correct? Yes. How are your Broncos going to do this year? Oh, man. I, I wish I had that crystal ball in front of me and say that we're going to be, you know, 12 and 5, maybe 13 and 4. But yeah, yeah, that's what a lot of people are saying, though, believe it or not. A lot of people are saying you guys are going to, you know, be okay. Yeah, I, I really think, you know, uh, at least for me, in, in my very little football acknowledgement and experience, I really think having a tenured coach or coach with a lot of head coach with a lot of experience plays a huge role in football oh, yeah. more than maybe just about any other sport besides baseball. You know, we've had that conversation with baseball yep. since managers and the analytics and things like that. I think football is one of those major sports that uh, the head coach has a, has a lot of influence. So with the Broncos having Sean Payton um, as their head coach, and of course, Russell Wilson coming to a coach like Sean Payton that has a, a good offensive repertoire of, of plays and, and knowledge. Um, I, I look at us to be really Hunting to be in the in the division lead, but definitely uh, I would say we're going to be in the wild card. Oh yeah, I, I, I I'm I'm going to say it. Denver Broncos make the playoffs. They, yeah. I don't know where it's going to be, but they will make the playoffs. Um, I am pretty confident about that, uh, and I'm very confident uh, 
uh, enough to say that here. And my best part, I had a great week this week. My favorite part of the week, and it shows you how much the nerds or we need to get a life or just sports junkies, both Brian and, and I are. There's a three-hour time difference now between the two of us. And I'm sitting on the couch, and both of us were watching the uh, Spain-Netherlands game the other night. Uh, yeah. you know, And just talking soccer. You know, it was, it was wonderful, you know? So what do you think of the World Cup so far, by the way, just in general? Um, you know, it, it's really – um, how can I say this? I want to say shocking mm-hmm. because there was so much buildup for the women's national team to take another World Cup, and just just like everything else, you know, other countries are starting to catch up with us in other sports, just like basketball, you know, baseball. It hasn't really cracked in in football per se too much because there's not that right. many different world. But, you know, you look at basketball and all the world-class players. Yep. Baseball, the Dominican players and the Latin players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the U.S. is um, I'm not probably going to take a, a little a little rising here for it, but I think they got a little too big for their bridges. Well, you know, I, I really think they, uh, they, they took a little bit of their success they had and they I want to say thought that they were better than they were, but they didn't live up to the expectations that they built themselves up for. And didn't we start this conversation talking about maybe taking an opponent lightly, right? Yes. <laughs> see, see how it works? But here's one thing since we're talking about it that I wanted to ask you about. I agree with everything you said about the other teams getting better, and it makes for better, better soccer, better sports in general, better football. But Two misses of the frame in a row. Is that the yips? I, I thought it was the yips. I thought there was just a little bit of a, uh-oh, because they didn't get on. They they hit a post, so that's not on frame. And, they, and uh, Rapino just missed the net. Yeah, know? I just, I just you know, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's cracking under pressure. Yeah. You know, and it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but to no, me. No, it's not. But but to be you know twelve yards away in in, in such a, a big soccer goal, mm-hmm. you know it, it really is just it's inexcusable to miss. twice in a row, which is amazing yeah. to me because either one of them, look if they get it on frame and it's saved, it's saved, right? But I mean theoretically, the keeper could have had a sandwich because they never hit the frame. You know, <laughs> um, well, on those two. Was it? Uh, was a was it the Spain goal the other night that just the goalie blocked it and it went up in the air on that penalty? Was it the penalty kick? Well, that that, that, that came was, down and it was just like yeah, that was a game that over the line. That was a game that eliminated eliminated us. You know, yeah, uh, yep, yep. So that was that was terrible, but it happens. You know, yeah, um, you know, and you don't want to, especially like in a sport like hockey, you don't want to leave it down to to me. A skill set, a skills competition at the end of a game. You want to, you want to put it away early and often, mm-hmm. to, so you don't have to worry about that one, that one miss. Oh, absolutely, because it, it just it takes a hot in hockey. Let's talk hockey. It takes a hot goaltender, you know, or uh, you know, um, a, a, a wonderful finishes when it comes to shootouts. You know, yeah. 
if, if you want to win the game, win it during regulation. <laughs> you know, and that, that's how the better team does it. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for being our guest. And um, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thank you, Brian. Hey, thank you, Darren. We'll talk to you uh, real soon. Thank you.